Hello, and welcome to the Emmy Awards. I'm your host, Emmy Cardinale. This is my podcast where I talk about what I've been watching or re-watching once a week. Um, I have a few disclaimers before I jump straight into the episode. If this is the first episode you're listening of me and you enjoy this episode, check out other episodes I've done. Um, I've done deep dives on some shows. Mostly I just ramble about my thoughts on the shows I've been watching because I, I consume a lot of TV. So this is just kind of where I word vomit my thoughts when I don't have more structured episodes where I go, I, I, I do recaps on occasion. And those are my favorite ones to do, but they take more prep um, because it's not just me like thinking back to what I've watched that week and taking notes on it. It's like actually like episode by episode taking notes and all of that. So those take me a lot longer and I do have a full-time job. This is just a side project. But anyways, check those out. Um, I am recording this at like 1 a.m. on Friday and typically I record like Thursday evenings and have plenty of time to edit before I go to bed and schedule the uploads for noon Pacific on Fridays. But because I'm starting this episode much later than I normally do, I cannot guarantee that I will have time to finish editing it before I go to sleep because I really don't want to stay up until like four in the morning. I have been working on a new podcast logo that I want to go live the same time this episode is live and I'm not completely done with that. So I am just going to (laughs) record this, try to start editing it. When I fall asleep, I fall asleep and I'll finish it tomorrow. So this will probably be out sometime in the evening on Friday instead of early afternoon like it normally is. So my apologies for that. I mean, last week I did post on a Saturday, so I'm trying to get back into the groove of being more consistent of posting at noon Pacific on Fridays, but it's a work in progress. The logo's really taken me a lot of effort. Um... And it'll be live when you're listening to this because I, I want them to, to be together. So let me know your thoughts. It's taken me a lot of effort because while I am a bit of a graphic designer, I'm not the best at like Photoshop, photo editing type things. I'm more like publication design kind of gal. I do understand the basics of Photoshop and I am an amateur photographer, so, but I don't really edit my photos on Photoshop because I don't have Photoshop. I'm using a free trial to get this logo out. So anyways, those are all my disclaimers. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for listening. It truly means so much. So this episode, as I said, is going to be a mishmash. I love that word. It's going to be just like a hodgepodge word vomit. Just it's not completely word vomit because I do have notes, but just basically about what I've been watching. It's not going to be a structured one, like, show-specific recap type thing that I like to do sometimes. It's just me talking about what I've been watching. Um, Before I jump into shows I've been enjoying this week, I do want to talk about the writer's strike. Um, Now, I've seen a lot of people, like, give mixed messaging on whether people... I don't know. I saw somebody say that if you're a content creator, you shouldn't be posting about tv shows that are like under the like sag whatever i i don't know enough about this i'm sorry i'm not in the industry because you're giving them promotion when the actors are not able to do promotion but i think that's just paid promotion like this is not my full-time job it's just a hobby where i like talk about my thoughts on the internet and like maybe two people listen and one of them is my sister 
So I don't think it counts, but if I do get feedback that I shouldn't be reviewing or recapping or any of that, again, who am I? <laughs> I'm nobody. I literally just talk into a microphone and like, like edit it. But I obviously really value like good writing, good acting. Like I love TV because of the effort and talent that goes into making it. And I would never want to in any way cross the picket lines. Not that I like, I feel like really stupid even saying this because I'm like, who the fuck am I? But I saw something about like, I, I think this was mostly just like if you're offered paid promotion for like to promote like TV shows and movies because part of the SAG things that they're not allowed to do on like while the strike is going on is they can't promote their shows. Like they can, um, or movies or any of that. Like they can obviously post on social media, but nothing promotional. Um, they can't do media junkets and stuff like that. So a big concern and like a way that would could be crossing the picket line would be like if you're an influencer and you're reached out to promote a show when the actors can't do that. But I don't think this counts because this is just me like, I'm not, it's not paid. Like I don't have any sponsors because again, I have 12 followers. I love all of you, but um, like this is not, but I do watch a lot of reality TV and that doesn't fall under the union. So I, I will eventually pivot only to reality TV. When everything kind of shuts down, but I will, unless I'm told otherwise, <laughs> Um, like, unless somebody tells me, hey, you really shouldn't be doing this either. I won't. Like, I will keep talking about shows that have already been, like, that are already coming out that I'm interested in and stuff like that. But I'm not, obviously. I mean, again, can you cross the picket line if you're not involved in the entertainment industry? You're just, like, a consumer who's sharing their thoughts? I don't think so. But I did see something about, like, influencers who talk about and I'm not an influencer like I literally have like a hundred followers on TikTok and like all of my Instagram followers are like people I know in real real life like I'm not an influencer <laughs> like but so it feels kind of stupid to say this but I did just want to acknowledge that um and I will obviously keep talking about the writer's strike I've mentioned it a few times um but, oh, and now it's not even just the writer's strike. Like, in my mind, I've been thinking of it as the writer's strike. The D WGA went on strike a couple months ago. Like, I can't remember when it started, but it was, like, a, a while ago now. Um, and SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, I believe. And then after, I, I literally, I don't know, I'm not in the industry. Um, they're on strike now, too. So Hollywood is basically shut down. Um, and there are obviously like a lot of really important implications and conversations to be had. And I did want to talk about this. Actually, the SAG strike was like, obviously people were talking that it might happen, but it was announced today, like July 13th. And I wrote my notes like a couple days ago and I was going to talk about the strike anyway, um, before SAG went on strike. Like I have it in my notes that I wanted to talk about the strike but after SAG went on strike, I saw all of these TikToks of people being like, don't promote movies or TV like if you're a content creator because that's crossing the picket line. And I don't think this counts because, again, who am I? Nobody. Um, 
you know, it'd be like if I had like a blog where I just posted and like 12 people read it. Like, I don't think that anybody is going to like watch, like listen to one of my podcast episodes and then be like, I should really watch that show. Maybe they are, but if they do, I'm not getting paid for it. So I don't think, anyways, I don't, I don't know if that made sense, but I I did want to talk about the writer's strike because news broke and obviously now it's not just the writer's strike, but when I took my notes, there was an article that came out. I can't remember what, I think it might've been deadline. Yeah, that sounds right. And some executive was literally quoted as being like, the goal is to keep this going until like the writers can't pay their rent and they lose housing. And that made me like sick to my stomach, genuinely like sick, genuinely, because it's not surprising. Like, do I expect corporations to care about people? Of course I don't. Who am I? Like, you know? What am I? Stupid. No. But part of me... Sorry, my cats are beefing. So if you hear fights, that's them. But, like, I lost my train of thought. Being a mother is so hard. <laughs> but I I think that while logically and, like, you know, I know that corporations are not going to pick, like, human lives over profit and, like, institutions will always protect themselves and not the human beings that are at an expense are like are suffering I know all of this but it doesn't change how I'm a very emotional person and even if I know something and I expect something it doesn't change how shitty it feels to see it happen and hear people say things like that and that's just that that's just me like it genuinely made me so angry um and again I'm not in the industry I literally design newspapers for a living um I'm not like I'm not like I I talk about tv on this podcast for literally like two view like two listeners maybe um I have 12 followers but only like a couple people listen sometimes I it depends on the episode but um, not all my followers listen consi- consistently. I still love you regardless. But what was I even saying? Oh, no, I, I don't. Oh, I'm not, I'm not in the industry at all. Like, I don't know the ins and outs. I don't have many friends in the industry despite living in LA. Um, like, I, I truly know very little beyond just, like, what I read. Um, and I, I guess I feel like I, I know some producers, but not well enough that like I know about their day to day lives. I just know what they post on social media because we're not like friends. We're like acquaintances. Anyways, I don't even know if they know who I am, but like I follow them on Instagram from college and like they're producers now and they do stuff in the industry. But like I don't know them. So I, I like, don't genuinely know more than the average person or like I, I don't know much about this. But I do constantly think of the human impact and like the human beings behind everything. And I, when the writer's strike happened, I mean, it's still happening, but when it started, I was very, like the demands that they were asking for literally seemed so like minimal. And I think the CEO of Disney literally said something that it was like disturbing to him that like 
I don't I don't know what was disturbing to him. Something about the strike, but it's like the fact that he would even use the word disturbing about people wanting like like it it's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's all just corporate greed and I don't like it in any capacity. I support workers' rights always and I think again, even though I'm not like a writer, I mean, I was an English major, so I consider myself like a amateur writer but I'm not like in the writers guild and I'm not in the screen like I'm I'm not an actress I've, I've never worked on any kind of production beyond like college productions um and even then I was in like one <laughs> um but I do consider myself a creative person and I think I and I and tv is obviously something I really care about so I don't know. It was obviously just like a no-brainer for me to support the writer's strike. And I think, I don't know, the fact that when things changed, you have to change the way. Like, I think there are a lot of industries where the, like, structures aren't caught up to technology and, like, the changes because things happen so rapidly. And that's, like, understandable that there's going to be, like, a period of adjustment and, like, you know, things in the like structure functioning the way they did 40, 50 years ago when things were different. But when people come to you and they're like, hey, things are like drastically different. And us, like we, the people making you money are not able to survive the same ways we were 40 years ago, then you need to like reevaluate the way things work. Um, And... And again, like, I don't expect anything from, like, CEOs and billionaires and corporations, but it's, like, I don't know. Sometimes it's, like, from a purely, like, financial, logical standpoint, this makes less sense to me. <laughs> like, when I was in college, there there was, they were trying to form a union. I haven't followed the, the you know, I haven't followed the news because my college took away my my college email so I stopped receiving news from like the organizations and I genuinely have no idea any updates in the union but like when that whole thing was happening the demands the students had would cost the would have cost the school less money than the like lawyers like the union bust union busting lawyer that they hired and it's just like from a purely and also like I went to a liberal arts like institution from a purely like selling yourself standpoint wouldn't the first undergraduate like student union be a really cool thing for a university not for a college that is like a liberal arts I don't know like sometimes it just doesn't make sense to me and I guess at the end of the day greed doesn't make sense but I needed to say that because think it's important and I will keep talking about the writer's strike if I like as I keep talking about tv of course and again I will proceed with caution in terms of what the union says is best for like reviewing and not that people are going to talk about this who's going to be like Emmy stop talking about tv shows but if somebody does genuinely I will listen I'm open to feedback and I'm again do I think that I I really don't think that like this applies to me because it's not like that many people are gonna like I'm not being paid to do this and it's not like somebody's gonna listen to my video and be like I should watch the show besides maybe like my sister but 
I, I would have convinced her to watch it anyway. So who am I impacting? <laughs> um, I'm not being paid to do any of this. So, in fact, I'm losing money on this podcast. <laughs> um, not that much, but I actually, I haven't lost that much money because my the first microphone I bought was like $40 at Target. And then the microphone I'm using now was, um, my mother bought it. So shout out to my mother. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is the Emmy nominations because, I mean, I can't, I can't not talk about the Emmys. That's the whole pun. Um, so I think the young, I know, I know that I'm a big Yellow Jackets fan. I'm biased, okay? I will admit, Yellow Jackets very rapidly became one of my favorite shows ever. I'm like, I intend to make it a personality trait for the next 20 years, maybe not that long. But I go through phases where I feel like things are part of my personality. And I genuinely feel like Yellow Jackets is going to be one of those shows that I feel like to understand me, you have to have watched Yellow Jackets. Uh, Maybe not, but maybe not like having you have to watch it to understand me. But I do think it's going to be like one of my favorite shows for a very long time. And I think that the young Yellow Jackets, like the teen timeline, I think they were robbed. I think they were robbed. None of them got nominated individually. I think that's obscene. Like, none of them, none of them got nominated individually. Like, I loved The White Lotus season two. I loved it. It was great TV. But they, like, The White Lotus is taking up, like, 90, maybe not that much, like, 80% of the, like, um, supporting actress and actor category. And it's, like, the Yellow Jackets couldn't have gotten one nomination in there. Just, like, don't nominate one of the people from The White Lotus and give it to somebody from Yellow Jackets. It just feels unproportionate. And while I do think that, again, The White Lotus, fantastic television. Do I think they all deserve to be nominated? Yeah, I do. I thought they were all great. But I don't know. I know that's not how that works. (laughs) I, I know that's not how that works. But anyways, in my mind, more of The Yellow Jackets. And you know who would have never snubbed The Yellow Jackets? The Emmy Awards, the EMI Awards this podcast, they get all of my accolades. <laughs> I love them. And again, I, I, lo- I loved the White Lotus. This is not a, like a dig to the White Lotus at all. I just find it annoying that all of them, and like the thing is, if it was, if it was the opposite and Yellow Jackets like had like that amount of people nominated for best supporting actress or best supporting act well actress because there aren't that many there's there's like one guy and i do i don't think any of them with peace and love would be nominated um and then lib houston obviously is not did not submit themselves so they are do not factor in but i don't know if if that happened i wouldn't be as upset um because I really love that show. And again, I like The White Lotus. I have nothing against The White Lotus. I really like season two. Um, I loved the Italian actors and actresses, and I'm glad that they got nominated. I just think maybe one of those spots could have gone to Sophie Nellis. But they're, they're nominated in my heart. Um, that's all I had to say about the Emmy nominations. I was like, I'm going to talk about the Emmy nominations. And the only thing I had to say was that I think Yellow Jackets deserved more. Um, okay. The next show, or the the, ne- the first show I want to talk about, because I've been talking about non-shows, just, you know, news and stuff, um, is the is How I Met Your Father, and specifically the season two finale. It was like a two-part finale. And I have a lot to say. Spoilers ahead. Don't watch this if you haven't 
watched the final two episodes of season two. You can if you just don't care about spoilers. Um, but anyways, yeah, don't get mad at me for spoiling. Um, this is not a, a spoiler-free podcast because I just talk about what I've been watching. Sometimes it makes no sense if you haven't also been keeping up with the shows. But if you have, then it's like fun. We're doing it together. It's like a book club. Um, so I loved that Jesse and Sophie finally got together. Hopefully they stay together for like a good amount of season three whenever that happens. Again, no rush because writers and actors deserve to be fairly compensated for their work. So whenever that happens, even if it's in three years, which hopefully it won't take that long, but um, I hope they stay together for like a good amount because when they got together the first time, they broke up like almost instantly. And then he went back to Meredith. And then this whole season, which was 20 episodes, was like a will they, won't they? And it was annoying to me. Um, But I'm glad they finally got together. I don't, I think my whole theory on How I Met Your Father, and I don't think this is an original theory. Like, I don't think I came up with this entirely on my own. I think I heard a bunch of people's theories. Um, But I I do think that the father isn't going to be who Sophie, like Sophie's like end game, if you will. Like, I think Sophie is going to get together with another one of the guys. I don't think it's Charlie. I think it's Sid. He's the only one other one of the guys. I think Sid is the father. And I think she has, like, her and Sid get together. And then they eventually, like, break up. And then similar to how I met your mother, um, I think the person that she ends up with is not, like, the father of her child. Um, That's my theory. I feel like it would be a nice way to do, like, a wink at, like, how I met your mother of, like, the person you... And obviously in how I met your mother, they killed off the mother I don't know if they need to do that but that's my theory I liked that and the way that Sophie and and um Jesse finally got together is that like a few episodes ago maybe like 10 episodes ago it might have been at the mid-season finale I can't remember um they did like a lost and found day and Valentina found a song that Jesse wrote about Sophie and um Sophie finally got it back and they finally confront each other and they get together and it's it's cute. I enjoyed the that little seed that was planted blooming finally and then finally getting together. I very much enjoyed that. I love the like they're stuck in a storm episodes um of TV shows or just like that vibe. I know how I met your mother had a similar one um where they were stuck in like a tropical not tropical, but they were like stuck in a storm. Um, and a lot happened then too. So I did enjoy that plot line of like, they're stuck in a hurricane. Uh, it felt very How I Met Your Mother in that sense. Sid, Sid's marriage ending is something that I genuinely saw coming again, because I believe Sid to be the father. Um, and something I found interesting in basically Sid's wife, Hannah comes back from LA. Um, she's moving back to New York, which they agreed on a few episodes ago. And Hannah, which is Sid's wife, accidentally texts Ellen that like something about like it was a one time thing. Leave me alone because she thought she was she was texting her coworker, Eli. So then Ellen confronts Hannah. Hannah's like, yeah, we kissed like it was a one time thing. And then eventually Sid and Hannah talk. And at first Sid is like fine with it. But then he's like, why if it was nothing like and then 
Anyways, so they like end up. It, I guess it's implied that they break up. They never say anything, but like they don't say that verbatim. But we see Sid ask Hannah like, if it wasn't a big deal, um, why did you run away so quickly? Because she got on an earlier flight and was there. And, um, so Sid's basically like, clearly this actually did matter to you. And it was like, it was something. Um, then the next thing we see Sid's coming back and somebody's like, why do you look so devastated? And he doesn't say anything. So I guess it's implied that his, that that they broke up. But anyways, all this to say when they were having a conversation and Hannah was talking about like Eli and how like, you know, maybe it, I, it did mean more than she thought it did. Or no, it was before that revelation. It was when she was kind of talking about like it was nothing. The long distance thing is hard. Sid was like, yeah, I kind of had something with somebody too. Like nothing physical, but it was like emotional. And Hannah's like Sophie. And he's like, no, some woman I met on a plane. So again, I feel like that's a seed they're planting for Sid, Sophie to happen later. Or maybe Jesse is the father, but Sid's the one she ends up with. I don't know. I think there's something to be said about Sid being the father. I see Sophie and Sid happening at some point. I find I find that interesting. They didn't just put that in there for nothing. Sid and Sophie are going to happen at some point. And I wouldn't be against it. I like their dynamic a lot. I genuinely do. Sid is one of my favorite characters. I think Ellen is my favorite character. And then I really like Charlie. I like most of the characters. I don't love Jesse. I find him a little annoying. I don't hate him though, but I do like Sid better. Um, and I love Ellen. Josh Peck was in these two episodes and I'm not a big fan of Josh Peck. Like why did we bring him back? Like he dated Sophie for a little bit. Like the only good thing about Josh Peck being in this episode is that he gave Sophie Jesse's song. But I just, why is Josh Peck here? Like why is Josh Peck here? Does anybody else feel that way? Am I the only one who's like, can we wrap it up? Can we wrap it up? Why is Josh Peck here? The episode ends with, we hear a sound coming from like the storage closet of Pemberton's. I think that's what the the bar is called because that's where they went for the storm. And Valentina and Josh Peck's character, I can't remember his name, are hooking up. And then Sophie's son in 2050 is like, I didn't know they had a thing. And Sophie, like, adult I mean she's already adult Sophie but like older Sophie says to her son um they did it was horrible but if they hadn't gotten together I don't think Valentina and Charlie would have had and I don't know the name of the kid but she pulls out a photo of Valentina and Charlie and like a toddler um and it zooms in that's how the episode ends like they zoom in on the picture of Charlie, Valentina, and their son. So that's really cute. I like that they finally, not finally, but I like that they revealed that Charlie and Valentina have a son because obviously they love each other very much. And I am rooting for them. I really liked them together. And any moment they had this season, I was like, I want Charlie to come around on them having kids, even though I genuinely, I understand why he doesn't want to have kids. I really do. But I like them together and it makes me so sad. And Valentina even cites this in an episode, in in this episode, when, because 
Sophie and Jesse like have a confrontation where she's like, you're a coward. You like me this long and you didn't say anything. And he's like, you're a coward too. You also have liked me this long. You don't said anything. And Sophie goes to Valentina to just ask for like a nice pep talk. And Valentina's like, no, I can't do that. He's right. You are being a coward. Like, do you know how lucky you are to feel this way about somebody? And they feel that way back. And there's not some big thing, like fundamental difference that you guys like that you're never going to be able to fix that is stopping you from being with this person that you care so deeply about. And it was just sad. Like Valentina and Charlie, their, their interactions this season were always so sad. They were always so sad because it's like they still love each other, but that doesn't mean that they can be together. And I don't know. It was sad. It was very sad to me. So I'm glad that we know that they have a kid because I think that's, that's hope for them. That's the one reason I, I genuinely don't believe Charlie would ever be the father because I, I just don't think that Sophie would do that to Valentina. I feel like some, not that many people have the theory that Charlie is the father, but I feel like Charlie is like purely platonic to Sophie. Like I don't think there's any possibility of him being the father, <laughs> but that, that's my theory. Anyways, it was a great season. I, I really enjoyed the 20 episodes. I've said that before. I, 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 I very much enjoyed it. Maybe I'll do a deep dive on it, season one and then season two. Um, season one shouldn't take me that long because there aren't that many episodes and they're only a half hour. But I don't know. If people would be interested, interested maybe I could do that. Um, okay. The next thing I want to talk about is Cru- Rural Summer season two. Now, I have to be honest. I loved Cruel Summer season one. Um, Season two is not hitting the same for me. I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but like it's not hitting the same. The reveals and the mystery to me is just not that interesting. Um, Like unless there's some big twist, like I'm just, I'm not interested. The timelines of the first season and the reveals and the big questions that I had that I wanted answered were a lot more pressing. Like I felt like when every episode dropped, I wanted to watch it. Like, I don't feel this way. Like I'm watching at this point because I watched eight episodes and I like, I want to see how it turns out, but not because I'm particularly captivated um, by the plot or the characters. I like the characters. I do like that they made Megan a hacker. I find that fun that she's a hacker especially with the whole Y2K thing, um, because obviously computers were a big part of that. I don't know. I, I was alive, but I was like six months old, so I didn't experience that. But I do enjoy that. Um, I don't know. The big mystery of season two, I guess, is who killed, I can't remember his name, Luke. Um, like who killed Luke or like how did Luke die? And the truth is, I don't care about Luke. I'm like, I like, bye. Like, I don't care. Season one, I found really captivating because there were so many questions. It was like, at first, it was like, what happened to Kate? Because we didn't, the first episode opens and it's like, she's missing. So we're like, what happened to Kate? And then we find out that like, they found her alive. Um, They heard a gunshot. So it's like, where has she been? And then we're also like, what did Jeanette do that she's being sued over? Like, 
there are a lot of questions. And then as the story unfolds and we get to know Martin Harris, it's like, when does Kate end up at his house? How does that whole thing happen? Like, what is their dynamic like? Like, there are just a lot of reveals. Did Jeanette actually see Kate? What happened to to Winston? And, like, there were also, like, plot, plot, like, subplots that all connected to the to the main questions. Like, everything obviously had to do with each other. But, like, like, I don't know. I found the characters more interesting. I found the suspense more interesting. I am just, like, this season, I'm just, like, I don't feel like I care. And I don't feel like there are a ton of subplots. Like, the main plot... Like, I, I, I don't I don't know. It's just not as captivating to me um, as season one was. I don't know if other people feel this way. I think the story had p- potential. Um, like, some guy is dead, like, who killed him. But I don't know. I think the execution so far is not my favorite thing. Like, we're already on episode eight, and I don't particularly care about any of the characters. I don't have many predictions or questions about what's going to happen next because it feels like the one question that's going to be answered is like what happened the day he died like that is like the one question and when that's revealed I'll be like happy the other like season one had so many questions it's like what is Kate's version of the story what's Jeanette's version of the story what is the truth what actually happened was there a misunderstanding um how did Kate's story unfold how did Jeanette's story unfold like we, we like there were just so many questions because we saw Jeanette like find out that Kate was missing and then tell like you wonder like how did Jeanette end up with like Jamie and her friends when like what happened between Mallory and and um Jeanette what happened how did Mallory and Kate become friends there were so many questions and interesting dynamics that I just don't feel like this season has but I don't know I don't know no hate um to cruel summer season two i like some of the characters i mean i like the characters i'm just like i don't know like i feel like one of the big reveals was that isabella's friend lisa like was like is dead and she drowned um and even that didn't feel like that surprising to me i feel like i don't know the way they're teasing reveals is just like taking away the interest because they're like people might find out find out what happened in St. Bart's so it's like you already know she has like a history and like a past and I feel like I, I don't know that allows the viewer to like fill in the gaps and imagine what it could be in a way that I feel like season one was just a bunch of question marks like we didn't know what Jeanette was like how she became who she was there were three different like each year she was a completely different person and you're just like what happened between this year and this year to make her the way she is now and same with like Kate like there was just so many questions about how who these people are where I feel like from the beginning we were told that Isabella was like this mysterious student that had like a past this won't be good if they find out like why you're here or stuff like it's just like not that interesting to me but again I like Isabella as a character uh, I also um, I did I I didn't love the Megan Luke Isabella love triangle like I I don't find that interesting because we knew that Luke and Megan got together when Isabella and Luke got together like it didn't hold any weight to me 
Like, it was like, okay, they're going to break up because, like, I think it would have been more interesting if Meg was ready, Megan was ready dating Luke, and then Isabella came in, and there was, like, it was just kind of like, Megan's like, oh, he's my best friend, like, we're not dating, but then we find out later that they are dating, so it's like, I don't know if other people feel this way, and I don't think I'm making much sense, because it's like 1.30, but like, (laughs) in the morning, but... It was, it was just kind of this thing where, like, a lot of the plot lines and, like, I just, I, have, I haven't been that interested. I'm not, I'm not invested. I'm like, okay, they date for a little bit, but, like, obviously, I think it's also just, like, there's something to be said about, like, this happens. The other, the other show, or the, the first season happened within three years. It was, like, the summer of 1993. I don't know what year it started, but if it was like 1993, then it was, no. Like, say it was like 1996. I genuinely don't remember. But then it was 96, 97, and 98, where this is like, it happens in just a one-year timeline. So it's like the first timeline is like the summer of 1999, and then we see the winter of 1999, and then we see the summer of 2000. So it's just like hard for me because I'm like, they haven't known... Like, Isabella comes into town, and then within a year, they've, like, become best friends really quickly, and then had a falling out, and then, like, a year later, they're not friends, and it's like, I'm not invested in their relationship, because she just moved to town. I think this story would have been really, like, it would have been really compelling if they did a three-year thing, because then I would have at least believed that there was more like there or if they wanted to do the winter they could have done like I I don't know it's just like not even a year's past like I don't any attention they have I'm like you didn't really know her (laughs) like this isn't I I don't know if I'm making any sense anyways and I also find Luke's character very confusing because at first he like is he reads as like a good guy um but also maybe not. And then we hear him being like an asshole in the last episode. And it's just like, I don't know how to read Luke. And the more I learn about him, the less that I, the less I care that he's dead. So I feel like that's the main question is like, who killed Luke? And I don't particularly care about Luke. So I don't particularly care. Anyways, those are my thoughts on Cruel Summer season two. I think season one was a little bit better, but not knocking it. I find the... Like, I find the narrative structure of telling things across, like, time line, like, which that, that's, un, that's such a stupid way to put it. But I really enjoy, like, flashbacks in, or not even flashbacks, but, like, three separate, st- like, the same story but happening across different timelines. I really enjoy that kind of narrative structure. So I like that in Cruel Summer where it's like, oh, they like we see them hate each other when she or like Megan is not open to it and then six months later they're best friends and then six more months they don't speak like I do enjoy the mystery of like what happened in this timeline to influence this timeline but I just think that the story and the timeline itself and the dynamics like the stakes don't feel like they're there to me which is interesting because there's a like there's hacking and there's like murder or pretend no like there there's murder like 
they're they're like everything there to make for good steaks but it's just like i'm not buying the steaks the steaks feel low anyways i've been talking about that longer than i thought i was going to okay so the next show i want to talk about is claim to fame i am obsessed with claim to fame now i love a good reality tv competition especially one like this which feels very reminiscent of big brother and that like they're all in house together Obviously, it's very different from Big Brother um, because in Big Brother, you're not like all like it's a it's a different format. But the competitions um, like the competitions for safety and then for clues and all of that, like I do, I do like the structure and it also combines like two things I love are like competition reality TV shows and um, like pop culture And so I really enjoy it because I actually feel like I learn about pop culture because I don't know all the people Um, like their celebrity relatives. Um, And it's fun to to learn about things like when when people guess things. And it's, it's just such a fascinating show. Like I love it. I loved season one. I'm loving season two. I think the format is so great. And I think like Nepo babies are a big conversation right now. I'm not, they're not all Nepo babies. Some of them are like Nepo cousins or like Nepo nieces or the stuff like that. There's like literally, and this is like a minor, this is like a spoiler. Um, but I won't say who, but there's literally somebody who's like the grandson of a president. Like, they got good people. I thought they put out a casting call for season two, and I thought they were going to get, like, very irrelevant people's relatives after season one. But they they got really good people. Neil deGrasse Tyson's son was just voted out, spoiler, um, a couple weeks ago. He was my favorite, and I was so sad when he got voted out. But it's just, it's such a fascinating show. If you like Big Brother, I would recommend it. I feel like it's very similar to Big Brother, except it's obviously it's not happening live happening live and you don't have the live feeds and like the premise of the show itself is different because you're not voting people out in the same way. You guess who people's you guess who if you don't know what claim to fame is, it's a bunch of like people who are related to famous people. They're in a house and they have to guess who the other like who the other people are related to um, there are competitions to either get safety or to get clues about the other people. And a lot of the challenges as well reveal clues. If you like never win a competition, that doesn't mean that you don't get clues about the people, like things like that. And then in the competitions, there's a bottom two. And then between the bottom two, somebody is chosen as the guesser. And the guesser picks whoever they want and has to guess their celebrity relative. If they guess correctly, that person's gone. But if they guess incorrectly, then their celebrity relative is revealed and they get sent home. And that just happened. Um, Somebody guessed that Chris, Jane guessed that Chris was related to Elvis Presley, even though he's not. Um, And so she got sent home. And you know, she was so shocked too. It wasn't even like a Hail Mary for her. She was like, I am certain that this is what Chris's clue means. And he was incorrect or she was incorrect. I know who Chris is related to, but totally by accident. It was not on purpose, but that's the only one that I know for sure. Um, besides the, the 
the grandson of the president. Because when, when I was watching the premiere and he, he said in his confessional that he was related to somebody who was once, he's related to somebody who was once the most important man on the earth. I was like, oh, so a president. And then my sister was like, Emmy, you know how you said that it was a president? It was. And then I was like, oh my God, who? So I did spoil that one for myself because I wanted to know like who, like, wow, they got really good quality people. Like Neil deGrasse Tyson's son is there. Um, he really gave himself away because the first competition is a talent show. And he recited, I don't know what, how many, but he recited pie, like the first however many numerals of pie. Like, way to give yourself away, dude. But um, that was sad. I don't really know who any of the other people are. The crazy thing is that the first season, the first episode, somebody got eliminated, not like at the guess off type thing. Um, not at the, like, it was obviously they were at the guess off, but then they were like, we have to eliminate you because, um, we found that he has a phone that he's been speaking in and you can't have technology because obviously that would make it a lot easier to like figure out who people are related to. Um, you find out that somebody is like related to an athlete and you look up like all these sports teams and you're like, Ooh, you kind of look like this person. And like Google tells you if people have grandchildren or like, like obviously you can't use Google because you would figure it out much faster. Um, and you're supposed to figure it out only based on clues, you know? So I don't remember who's, I think it was somebody's grandson. They were using a phone, they had a phone that they snuck in. So they kicked him out. And then the premiere of season two, somebody did get voted off in the guess off, but she had like a meltdown. It was Tom Hanks's niece. And she was like, I deserve more screen time. Like the clues were so obvious. Um, it was really funny. Um, I'd recommend it. It took The Bachelorette's spot on Monday nights. The Bachelorette now airs at nine. And it's because Claim to Fame took its eight o'clock spot. And I have been more than one episode of The Bachelorette because I, I get off of work at 11. I work three to, three to 11. Um, I get off of work at 11 p.m. So before Claim to Fame was taking The Bachelorette or The Bachelor spot, I watched, I would watch The Bachelor and I'd go to bed. But now I've been watching Claim to Fame. So the last couple episodes, I've like fallen asleep halfway through The Bachelorette because it's like two in the morning. Um, but anyways, I love it. I love Claim to Fame. Like I'm a big fan. The Jonas Brothers, it's 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 Kevin and Franklin, um, who I always knew as Frankie, but he goes by Franklin now. So I'm not gonna like call him Frankie. That feels rude. But to me, in my mind, that's like Frankie Jonas. We're besties, even though we're not. But they're, they're they they kill it. They're doing a great job hosting. Like, they're funny. They have, like, the whole famous relative thing. I mean, Frank, Kevin was in the band, but Franklin Jonas was just, like, their younger brother, you know? Um, but I don't know. They're killing it. Like, they're killing it. Um, they're good hosts and everything. Um, okay. I have one show I want to talk about really quickly, and then I'm going to wrap up. So I recently started watching Desperate Housewives I started like I actually started it like maybe a month and a half ago but then I stopped for a while maybe like two months ago I literally I don't remember but I started it and then I stopped watching it um and I recently started watching it again and it's really good like it's really really interesting I it's very like over the top dramatic like telenovela-esque um which I find funny 
Um, some of the storylines are obviously like crazy, but um, I don't know. It's a fun, easy show for me to watch right now. It doesn't feel like that heavy. Um, and I, I went through a phase where I was rewatching a lot of Law and Order SVU, and this is a lot less heavy of a watch. So I've been enjoying it. I have nothing intellectual to say, but I did want to mention that because I do think I will keep watching it and maybe I'll talk about it here and there. I don't think I would do a deep dive because there are so many episodes. It's like eight seasons, like 20 plus episodes per season. Like I, I, I don't think I could do a deep dive on that. Um, but I don't know. Maybe if I, if I really keep watching, I'll feel the need, but probably not. Maybe I'll just mention it here and there. But it is a funny show, and I am enjoying watching it. Okay, so that, that's all I have for this episode. I did want to announce that next week, the episode will be a deep dive on season one of The Summer I Turned Pretty. Season two drops this Friday, the 14th. Like it, It's already out as I'm recording this, but for some reason, every time I went to my mother's Amazon Prime to uh, try to watch season two I would click on it and it would say error so I don't know what's up with that why it's not letting me watch season two yet but I really want to um but I am going to do a deep dive and release that next Friday and I will probably hold out until all of season two is out before I do a deep dive um but maybe I'll go like a like I think they're doing like three episodes at a time or I know the first drop was three episodes maybe they're doing a week like an episode a week after that. I don't really, I don't know the schedule. Maybe I'll just follow along that way. But I, I think I'd rather do a deep dive at the end. Um, so I think that's the plan. But season one will definitely be out next week. That's the plan for now. Um, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot. Please make sure to follow me wherever you listen to podcasts, rate and review, share this with a friend. All of my social media is always linked below so you can reach me if you have any comments, critiques, concerns, feedback, anything is welcome. Um, please let me know if you like my new logo. I spent hours working on it. I don't know if it sucks or it's stupid or whatever, but I had a concept and I think I executed it as well as I could. So yeah, let me know your thoughts. It would mean a lot to me. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Sorry if this episode's a little short. I don't have a ton to say and it's late and I'm kind of tired. Um, But next week's should be a good length because I am doing the deep dive on season one of The Summer I Turned Pretty. So that should be a good length of an episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Um, It means a lot. And you will hear from me next week. Bye, guys.